Welcome to the Toka Backstage Podcast. Join Toka's Executive Director, Chris Wolf, in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation's performances and events. Hi, this is uh, Christian Wolf, Executive Director of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation, here again with uh, Toka Backstage. I am here with Yuta Kato, Kato mm-hmm. uh, from L.A. Taiko Institute mm-hmm. and Asano Taiko. They have a great show coming up, uh, The Art and Study of Taiko, at the James Armstrong Theater, coming up the first weekend in December. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. We are here in your beautiful studios, yes. located on Western in Torrance. What was the reason to start a, a local Taiko company? I see. Okay. So Asano Taiko, uh, our company is called Asano Taiko US, which means that mm-hmm. there's another entity in Japan, the original Asano Taiko. They are uh, responsible for about 80% of all Taiko sales made in Japan. Oh, wow. um, and their son uh, got married to a Japanese American lady. And um, they were wondering how they could sort of increase their business and stuff like that. And they decided that the U S has a whole Taiko community going on. So there's like, let's start our first branch over in the U S. So, um, Julia and Katsuji, uh, they came over from Japan to build this facility. And under this facility, we currently have three businesses. One is Asano Taiko equipment sales. So all the drums that you see, all of these stuff come from Japan, uh, made for Taiko players that want to buy them for, within the U.S. and perform. Mm -hmm. And then the second is Kato Taiko, which is a wine barrel Taiko maker. He has his factory here. Um, This is Julia's father. So both, in a way, the married couple, both their parents were Taiko makers. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the third portion is LATI, or Los Angeles Taiko Institute, where I am the head of, I'm the principal for. So this is the soundproof facility, which we are in right now where we have students that want to learn Taiko. So this whole facility can, you can buy Taiko equipment, costumes for performance. You could repair drums if you need your drums to be repaired and you could also take lessons. So we wanted to be like a whole one-stop shop for everything. So there's the Taiko drums, like the ones we see behind mm-hmm. us, which come from Japan. And you said there's also a wine barrel? Yes, correct. Um, the U.S. Taiko community, we currently have about 500 groups is what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and each drum is really expensive if bought in Japan. Uh, but there was a group that invented um, a drum made out of wine barrels because the shape is very similar. And they just made the wine barrels into a nice solid thing and then put skin on it, which is the same cowhide that they use in Japan. And then so the material cost for that was like $200 versus a drum that would normally cost $4,000 or so. And the difference would be, I'm assuming, well, the wine barrel has several slats of wood, Mm -hmm. whereas these is... It's one piece yes, of wood? Yes, solid tree trunks. So that means that the tree has to, if they're big, they have to be in existence or alive for like 200 years or something wow. to be able to make a drum of this size, especially that you see in the back. And that is why it's expensive. There's good reason why it's expensive. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Absolutely. It's just really hard to start a taiko group when each drum costs from 4000 to like the ones we see behind us are like 20 grand. Oh. Yeah, so the wine barrel taiko sort of picked up. People were making it at home, but uh, Mr. Kato decided to make it into a living because he was good at woodworking. Mm-hmm. Um, so he eventually became a professional taiko maker when he used to be like a gardener and stuff. Yeah. Cool. And then, so how how long has uh, have you been in? Has this company been here? Okay, it's been uh, just in July was our fifth anniversary. So five years in Torrance so far. And 
when you first started, how many students did you have? Uh, zero. Uh, the first <laughs> week we started school, um, the teachers are fairly well known here. So when we started the facility, it was already within the Taiko community, it was a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, but within the local community, no one knew about it. I would say like 15 people or so. And then by the end of the year, it went up to like 30, 40-ish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and then now you have? Now we have about 250 plus people coming weekly to wow. this facility. That's and then crazy. Like my biggest classes would have close to 30 people in each class. It used to be like one to five people in each class. And sometimes we'd have to cancel class because no one would show up to any of our <laughs> planned classes. But yeah, luckily we've, yeah, we have tons of people coming through now. And one of the cool things I think about this facility is not only is it an amazing facility, I mean, this room really is soundproof, mm -hmm. um, but it's also that you have the, sort of the introductory class mm -hmm. where anyone can come sign up, come off, in off the street and try their hand at Taiko. Yes, we try to offer that because we don't want to, we don't want to sign people up that don't know if they want to do Taiko or not. So mm -hmm. we just have them come for the first classes. We, we offer them every three months or so where there's free classes where they can just experience what a Taiko class would be like. And then if they want to continue, they just have to come next week and then you continue. Up. And for those of you watching or listening, I highly recommend you do it. I did it, although I did it badly. It was a lot of fun. And they, they have a great teachers here. Hmm. Amazing. Um, so the, the, the show, Art and Study of Tycho, sort of originated how or why um, is it? And, and what do people, what do you hope people get out of coming to see the show? Okay. Uh, originated out of you, <laughs> first of all. Oh, you're blaming me. Yes. Um, we used to have our uh, recital um, at the end of the year in, within our facility. Um, and, but our facility, although it's pretty big, um, if we do a performance, it can only seat like at max 80 guests, but that's still like really packed. Um, at a certain point, we realized that the student numbers were reaching a higher point and then we were like, we need another venue. And around that time, um, you came to that recital and mm -hmm. said, why don't you come do it in the theater? So it, it originated from you. Um, we also understand that recitals can get boring um, and it's it, a lot of people will do recitals and it's mainly for the students, but um, we, we wanted to kind of change that notion and have our students experience having to put something of more higher quality onto the stage um, while people understand that it takes a lot to get to become a good taiko player too so throughout this show it would be nice if people can like obviously um be entertained by the drums and how good people are but also at the same time get to see the different types of levels and what it takes to become um more of like a performance professional like level taiko mm -hmm. player so throughout our show you get to see that process you get to see kids and how they learn um so it's a full range of entertainment versus, and also like sort of an educational side of it too. But, and I think that's part, that is part of the cool thing about the show is that it is, I mean, you do get the cute factor, cute the kids <laughs> coming in and, and, you know, doing the drums, but you also get these amazingly choreographed, uh, beautiful sounding performances, which I guess is almost like a, a performance group. Do you have a performance group? Yes, we have a um, few performance groups here, but one sort of backed and sponsored by the company itself. It's called Unit One, and they're considered the uh, sort of professional team, which includes 
teachers of our facility, myself, uh, we just have eight people. So we do like gigs and go out to perform outside when requested as a facility to, um, if, if people want a professional presentation of Taiko, mm -hmm. yes. And then, well, I know a little bit about, I mean, like I've, I, in the past I, at other venues, I've, I've programmed, uh, um, was it Kodo? Mm -hmm. um, and I know that there's uh, another local group and then there's San Jose Taiko. Mm -hmm. What is your goal for Unit 1 in 5, 10 years? Do you oh. want to be the next Kodo? Do you want to just do local gigs? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we've always been talking about this. Um, and I think everyone has in the group is in it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a couple of things that we all agree on. And one is that uh, in the U.S., Tyco is growing and it's going in awesome directions. Um, so they're branching out. They're doing a lot of things. They're flashy, um, fusing with different kinds of music, which is great. And this is what I was brought up in. But um, there tends to be like, there used to be sort of like a rejection or let's, let's create our own thing and Japan should be their own thing. So we have nothing to do with them after a while. Mm -hmm. um, Unit one wants to bridge that. So we all have trained in Japan. Um, so we want to like deepen our roots and in Japan, but also be a part of that whole creative movement also. So unit one's goal is to have like a good balance of those. Um, it's easier said than done. Um, but all of, a lot of us still go to Japan and study um, study classical art forms. Um, the other sort of goal, one of our members that just uh, came on board to be more of a staff member for this facility, he was just a performer, um, but he his goal is to want to actually get this group to start touring too, um, which will, yeah, I don't know how long that will take for us to get to that place where we have the management and everything to get to be able to tour, but um, eventual goal is, I think, to be able to tour at more um, nicer stages and venues versus like outside festivals right, and stuff sure. like that too. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is um, I'm really curious for those of you who don't know, there's an event every year or a couple times a year in LA called sick Livia where mm -hmm. they close down the streets and they, they do mm -hmm. uh, it's for bicycles and people to walk and skateboard or whatever. And my wife and I were on that ride this past Sunday and saw <laughs> you guys right. that uh, there was a bicycle and a trailer mm -hmm. with somebody sitting there pounding Tyco and then several other bikes. How, whose brainchild was that? And how difficult is it to ride that bicycle? I see. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so our head instructor, Chris Bergstrom, he's pretty much like, uh, Chris and I teach most of the classes mm -hmm. here. So, um, it's his brainchild. He loves cycling. He gave up his car, a long time ago um, so that uh, and he's trying to make sure that he could people can make a living still and get by with just public transportation and cycling and um, so that is his huge passion so Cyclavia is amazing for him that there's a, an event dedicated to that mm -hmm. um, so it was his brainchild um, and at, at the beginning when we first joined uh, he made one little trailer that can attach to a two-person tandem um, bike um, and just one person will be on the back drumming and stuff like that. But then he now currently has a whole fleet of trailers oh, really? and options. Um, and also he was sponsored by Cero, um, which is an electric bike. Mm -hmm. So with the help of an electric bike, uh, bicycle, um, we could attach more things and have the cyclist be able to get through without having to, you know, 
like struggle and not be able to move at all. So um, it's all him. He made all of the trailers. He can, he, he does woodworking. He could, uh, what is it? What is the word for metal welding? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He could weld and stuff like that too. So everything. And then the tires, everything that you saw was pretty much made by him. And did you switch off players? Yes. We switched off players too. And he composed the piece. So there's different parts um, and different instruments that were needed. So every year he comes up with a new idea. Last year we did a collaboration with Samba. And the year before that, we actually had a performance space. So we brought all the drums and we like laid all the drums out on the stage and performed too. So awesome. every year there's a different approach. He already has ideas for next year. <laughs> um, and we do have an idea of trying to bring back my lion dance teacher. Um, and he do, he's a specialist in festival music in Japan. So he wants to bring that festive feeling and the knowledge of what they do with festival music in Japan over to the U.S. and put it into Sequoia. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Yeah. So, and actually brings up another question. We also, during that ride, we saw dragon dancers, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming, I, my wife kind of assumed that they were, um, that was from China, mm-hmm. but it's also from Japan? Yes. Yeah, so originally all of that stuff comes from China too. Okay. So we, we have our own sort of, uh, we, we're more not about dragons, but we're more about the, um, it's called Shishi. It's a mythical sort of lion-like creature that comes from China, stories mm-hmm. from China. Um, so the lion dancing is what we do most. Um, uh, there's different iterations of it in different parts of Japan. The one we are studying right now and what is famous is the one from Tokyo um, where because of the limited space that they had to perform in, it's not two people in the lion, but one person. So how one person could do the dancing um, and still make it look sort of cat-like or, or lion-like. Yeah, it's very cool. I've seen you do it before. The, um, and the, so we'll, during the performance in December, will there be an element of yes, dancing Yes, I've well? taught it to my students, and they've also kind of learned from my master who, who I try to bring from Japan too. So there will be, I think, two we're currently still working on the program, but there'll be two um, line dance performances, one for each day. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it is a two-day. It's a Saturday and Sunday. Saturday is at 6, 6 o'clock, mm-hmm. and Sunday Saturday is, is two. 2 o'clock. So, and tickets are available, so make sure you get your tickets. Um, what is your goal personally mm. for Asano or LA Taiko Institute and, and students involved in it? Okay. Mm without getting super deep. <laughs> um, uh, there's many ways that taiko or any kind of music can, can exist in people's lives. I think mm-hmm. the general tendency um, in, in our highly sort of specialized society that we live in, everyone has to be good at one thing to make a living. And I think that oftentimes translates to people going, oh, I can't sing we'll let the singing be done by the professionals or right. just listen. I listen to it, but I don't sing myself. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about every art form becoming that. And so through Taiko, I want it to be really accessible. Like, and it doesn't have to be that you're super serious. You could just come once a week to get your exercise mm-hmm. or to, because you want to hit the drum hard for stress relief for any kind of reason, or you want to just come because your friends are here and you want to go out to eat dinner after practice. I think Taiko can and should exist for any kind of person that um, wants to just play it for whatever reason they can. So I want our school to have a variety of options um, available because the way Taiko should be is how the students want it to be. Um, and it shouldn't be like, oh, this is a traditional art form. This is 
you're supposed to play it like this in any way. So I want through Lati that Taiko can be accessible. But our teachers are all pretty much amazing and um, professional. They have professional experiences. Mm -hmm. So if someone wants to get really deep into it, we can offer that too. Um, so I just want for Lati to have that whole variety so that any person could find what Taiko is to them and um, enrich their lives yeah. in even small ways. And does that does does that in any way conflict with the tradition of it, or is that part of what the tradition is of Taiko? Yeah, so Taiko is interesting currently um, because uh, the boom came within the last 50 years, mm -hmm. but it's existed for thousands of years right. in Japan. Um, and so there have been folk traditions that have existed, but since the boom, it's become more of a performance mm -hmm. rather than a folk-like festival tradition. Um, so even if a teacher in Japan says, this is how we're supposed to do it. That's just only happened within the last 50 years or so. There's other traditions. I went to Hachijo Island. That's where I used to live for a year to study their way of playing taiko. And they're all about getting drunk and jamming. Yeah, so that's one way. And that's <laughs> yeah. existed for hundreds of years. Right. So someone, a master that's been doing it for the last 50 years, I don't think can say this is the way we're supposed to do it. So even I, I respect that a lot. And I myself have studied with many masters in Japan. Um, none of who I think would say like, this is the only way to do it. Um, so I think I've paid the due respect in like studying from Japanese masters and spending a lot of money and time. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I want to be the buffer for our students to not have to feel that way about their learning. If they want to get serious and go that path, they have the option to. Right. Uh -huh. But if they just want to get drunk and play taiko, then they can do that too. Yeah. But always get a designated driver. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I do know that you, like you mentioned, for the um, the lion dance, you bring in masters. Mm -hmm. You bring in taiko masters too, as well from yes, Japan. Yes. Correct. So. People have that option to really, I mean, like you said, if they really want to get serious, mm -hmm. they have that option too. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is actually a stupid question, but your show is in December. Mm -hmm. Any holiday music in the show? Yes. Oh, wait. <laughs> I think so. <clears throat> really? So we have a fue club. It's the Japanese bamboo flute. Uh-huh which oftentimes accompanies the taiko. Mm -hmm. um, these people just started and they just gather every Saturday to get notes and like everything. And then they have um, a couple pieces that are like kids songs or Christmas songs or jingles that they're practicing. And we'll use that as transition music. Currently. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pieces. Christmas show too. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, what would you like people to, I think, like at the end of the day, when mm -hmm. after they see the show mm -hmm. and they're not familiar with Taiko, mm -hmm. what would you like them to walk away with after seeing this show? Uh, my number one goal, I think, um, not goal, hope, is that people see people working hard and enjoying themselves. And usually that makes someone feel better or wants to become better or stronger or in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's awesome when we witness people working towards one goal and putting themselves out there. Um, even if it's really nerve wracking to be on stage to like um, show what they've been working hard on. Right. Um, and usually when I see that I come home going like, wow, there's so many people 
out there that are just amazing. They're even though they're not professional, they work really hard to do or accomplish a goal. And that usually gives me the courage or energy to like do what I want to do in my life. Um, so that would be my number one thing. If people can go back home saying, wow, there's all these people that are working hard to put on this show um, and people are sort of touched by it, that would be my biggest sort of happy moment. And that's a, that's a good goal to have. Um, Taiko performance mm -hmm. is not only about the drum and the, the music, but I, I, in my opinion, also is almost like about the, the movement because mm -hmm. there's a lot of what I, for lack of a better word, choreography in yes. what you guys do. Correct. Is that, is there like a standard thing for the, the, the music? The choreography that's done with it or is that something that the, the composer comes up it's with completely the composer and then the, the depending on the composer's background a lot of it gets affected like um so i have um like dan's hip-hop background too so there's elements that i put in there that are influenced or inspired by um the details of how that culture like thinks about movement mm -hmm. um i also did karate too and tai chi like those things come into play in like defining what i think is beautiful mm -hmm. so yes it um there's no rules or like when there's this beat we're supposed to make this movement or anything um so it's completely up to the composer with that said there are pieces that have been composed and choreographed like long time ago um that sort of has now become like this is the way to do it so we do follow those but we try to deepen it by finding more depth yeah. So those those pieces that that come down from uh -huh. from the history, uh -huh. those pieces are sort of like you said, sort of the choreography set, uh -huh. but you have some room to play with it. Yes, totally. And would it, would it be fair then to say that the pieces that you or or Christopher uh -huh. um, create that choreography will now live with that piece as well? Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, um, but the way we compose things, um, we never, Chris and I in our facility, whenever there's a composition that comes out of our members, um, we never copyright it. It's copyleft or open source, or I don't know what the exact terminology is, but they are allowed to learn it, teach it, and also change it however they want to, too. So um, we just hope that it's for the better of the piece growing right. versus for like Oh, it's too hard, so let's just water it down or something like that. But what, what, why do you do that? I mean, what I most artists, I, I mm -hmm. would assume, I mean, you know, through ASCAP, BMI, whatever, they, mm -hmm. they sort of live off their royalties. Mm -hmm. Why would you opt to make it available to anyone and everyone? Because I feel like we've been able to gain so much from. Um, other pieces in the past that we've learned. Mm -hmm. um, some pieces we're not allowed to play um, because it belongs to that group or right. that teacher. Um, but sometimes there's a piece out there that you really like. And if you create something that's kind of like it, it's just a copy of it. Yeah. Like I want to actually play that piece, you know, right. and it would be great if we can pick and choose the pieces that we like and be able to put it on stage. And we want to create that kind of world for, our future generation versus the other where someone's already taken that idea. We can't use it anymore. Um, and truthfully, the community is not 
big enough where we compose a piece and people want to learn it or play it and we make a lot of money off of it. That's not going to happen either. So might as well just keep it open so that people have the opportunity. And truthfully, uh, by keeping it open, people are like, oh, I want to learn it. Can we hire you to teach it? So it's probably opened more doors for job opportunities too. Nice. I I still think that's that's an amazing gift to give to future generations is your creative work. I mean, not a lot of people do that. Yeah. Yeah. The community is currently headed towards that direction, I think, which is great. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, anything else you want people to know about the upcoming performance or, 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 the Sana Taiko? Um, No, other than the fact that um, a lot of our students are working hard. Yeah, and they're really nervous about it. Um, For the next eight weeks or so, they're just going to be coming into practice. They're taking private lessons on top of their classes. They're renting the facility so that they can practice on their own. So there's a lot of work and hours put into this. So I would like for people to know and understand that and hopefully get excited to see what the outcome would be. And I have to say, don't let the term recital put you off. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 (laughs) because it it really is. I mean, it's sort of a mixture of recital and professional performance. Mm -hmm. It really does come down to it is a, a professional performance. You just get a little, a lot of cute factor mm-hmm. with the kids playing, mm-hmm. um, but everyone else does a really high quality mm-hmm. performance. And I think it. This is year three. Yeah. What? Three. Yeah. yeah. This is year three that we've presented this, um, and it's it, we're honored and uh, to have it as part of our season. And we hope that you come and see it. Tickets are still available. This usually does sell out both performances. It does sell out. Yeah, so, so it will sell out. Yeah. If you want tickets, get them early. Um, just go on the website, torrentsarts.org. Uh, it's been an honor to be here. Thank you so Thank much you. for opening up the, uh, the studio. And uh, we look forward to working with you again in the future. Thank you. Thanks so much.